Love Talk Radio. Okay, everybody, we're waiting for Scott to call in for this show. Um, I've been texting him here. Um, He's been having an issue call in. I don't know. Hold on. We are seeing what's going on. Well, anyway, we're going to be talking to him about his um, uh, his Florida King snake breeding that he does and uh, everything like that when he gets on. And we will see what goes on. So... But I'll talk to you in the meantime for a few seconds here. Um, so we'll just see how things are going. And I hope everybody's being safe out there and everything with all this craziness going on and everything like that. I don't know. We are going to see. If anybody wants to call in and talk, the phone number is 515-605-9767. So if you guys want to call in, we can talk for a few minutes while we're waiting for him to try to call in. We're seeing here, he's getting back to me right now, seeing what's going on. He's saying the number's busy. I don't understand that. Hold on. I don't know. We might not be able to get him on here. Uh, 515-605-9767. Then you have to press 1 when you get through. Okay, hold on. Hello, you're live on the air. I had no problem getting through, you pervert. Yeah, okay. Funny, funny. <laughs> uh, that, that's my wife, everybody. But yeah, no, it worked. So. Whatever number that was that you gave me, I called it said that I can listen live. And then they said I was unmuted. Yeah. All righty then. I don't know. He's calling from Florida, so maybe there's something going on there or something. I don't, I don't know. know. I got you. 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 I got Call in, so I don't know. Maybe yeah, it must be something from where he's at or something. Must be something that's going on where he's at in Florida or whatever. So he's texting me right now, and we'll see what he says. Um, I mean, if you have his phone number, I could probably call him on three way and just. Yeah. Sit my phone down so I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an option. Kind of influence. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. 
Yeah, that would probably work, right? You can call them and then. Because there'd be my number up there, yeah. and then I would just hit my phone. Yeah, that would work. That would work. We'll try to do that. Well, you have to give me his number, or you. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking what. You'll have to call me, or I'll have to call him. Yeah. Um, I gave him your number real quick And we'll see how this goes We're going to try to get him on here We will do our best Alright, I can give you his number, hon That's probably him Tell him we're going to do a three-way Scott No, this is his wife. Hold on. Stay. Don't hang up. I'm going to try something, okay? All right. We're going to get him through here yet, I'm sure. Just hold on a second. Mm-hmm. 605-9767. Now we're going to see if this works, everybody. We are going to see. We are going to see. Are you there? All right. All right. I got got you into the the show. (laughs) Scott, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. It's crazy. I don't know what was going on. It was weird. I think one time we did a show, when I did the show with you, I think we were having trouble then with you calling in for some reason. Yeah, that's my luck. (laughs) That's all right, though. Anyway. um, We got past it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, how are things going with you? Starting to get busy. Got full, I have full, full, full cabinet full eggs. Full cabinet full eggs, huh? Yeah. How many clutches are you expecting this year, if you don't mind me asking? We're 50 plus right now, but kind of embarrassed I didn't count them at this point. Uh-huh. I usually don't count anything until it's the head sticking out. And then it really uh, yeah. doesn't get a number until it finally eats. Yeah, I, I understand that. I. I did hog noses for a while, and, uh, you know, they're definitely ones you don't count until they're eaten for sure because they get, get tricky sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you do hog noses too, don't you? I have a couple that are my daughter's just pet projects. She's trying to make uh, conda snows. Conda snows, yes. Um, and if anybody's no- listening, the number to call in is 515 Seven six seven, and then you press one, and I can get you guys on the show to ask Scott any questions if there's anybody wants to call in. Um, there you go. The, yeah. The um, do you still do have any ball pythons or anything like that? No, not really. No, no, you sold out. You got rid of those, huh? And uh, so yeah. you mainly your main focus is on the the Florida king snakes. Yep. Yep. Did yeah, you, did, I have um, a few Mexican blacks and a, a couple of scaleless corn projects. But oh, my main cool. concentration is the Florida Kings. So, uh, which, if if everything goes right for you, what is your uh, one like exciting clutch for the year? What would be the one that you're really waiting for? Um. <laughs> Probably the hyperexantic mosaic. This going to be your. This will be your first year, right, with those. Yeah, I got like fourteen eggs, and I look oh, at sweet. them every twenty minutes. <laughs> that's that's a problem. I, I understand that because that's what I do too. When I got something exciting, I always popping my head and looking at them. <clears throat> so, but that could be a good thing. You just, yeah, actually, she you can, laid four twenty-eight, so her. Coming pretty soon, so that's good. Love that good uh, on that one. Yeah. Um, now with this COVID stuff going on, 
Uh, do you see that affecting the hobby in any way? Um, well, yeah, a lot of people are staying home and keeping their stuff nice and clean and fed up and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as far as shows, I'm kind of curious to see how Daytona goes this year. We'll be yeah, there to see how it happens. Okay. Florida doesn't have any uh, restrictions at the moment or anything like that? Um, I don't know. We just went to the drag track tonight for the first time since it all started, and you had to wear a mask everywhere. And okay. It really wasn't even that packed, but everybody's wearing masks. Okay. It's kind of weird. All right. Crazy it is. Times it's, we're it's, living it's, in. It, it is very crazy times we're living in, and uh, I don't uh, – <clears throat> I just hope this all gets over with soon. It just, it drives me crazy. Um, I like to be out and about doing things, but uh, around here it's, they don't have very many restrictions on right now, but some people have stuff not open yet and it's, it'll drive you crazy after a while. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard hit. Definitely. Do you think it will like, Oh, absolutely. Um, and with the unemployment being high because of the COVID, um, do you think that uh, that will affect people purchasing animals here? Or do you think you're still going to have a good, easy time selling them or, and things um, like that? Because I, I was talking to one person. He thinks he, you know, he, he produced a lot of stuff. And he's thinking prices are going to start dropping because people are going to have so much like stockpiled. Well, yeah, that's... That does kind of come into play depending on what you have, too. If, like, if you're breeding yeah. albino corn snakes, they're going to be $3 a piece. Yeah. So there's going to be a bazillion of them, but the stuff that we're working with in these Florida Kings, there's still only a couple dozen people that are producing them. And I think the market for the people that want these caliber of animals are still there. They're essential. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say they're essential. <laughs> I um, when you, when you look up King Florida King Snake breeders, there's you don't find too many of them out there. You're like the number one name I ever come across. And then, uh, uh, like, thanks, I appreciate have, that. But there's, there's oh, a handful yeah. of high quality guys that are Red. in the game, and then Kayla Bell too. We don't want to leave her out. And of course, my daughters. Yeah, right there with me through this whole thing yes yeah well and you know um you know you, you get some of these bigger breeders but they don't go into like like bar check or whatever he doesn't go into a lot of like the morphs and stuff that you do he just does a few basic ones and then that's it where you, you yeah, get into that, that kind of breeding crazy. suffers from having so many different varieties where i just specialize in what i like so I yeah. exploit what I like, so it, it comes easy to us. But when you have 47 different species with a menagerie like that, trying to keep top of the game on each item, probably not an easy task. That's no, I'm going to say, so. yeah, it's not going to be an easy task at all. Um, you can't focus so much on one thing because you got so much other stuff you got to do. Um, now, do you still do what 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 all morphs do you work with? Um, at this point, I I I think I have just about every gene. Just depends on how I've got them mixed. Okay. If I've have have things worked out in certain combos, which. I actually feel like I'm a little bit behind because some people are posting some really far out stuff and I got eggs, but I'm behind everybody now, which is all yeah, good. But... I love seeing everybody produce these animals that are just amazing to me. Oh, yes. And um, um, with the tegus, uh, did they figure the problem out down there yet? Because I haven't seen anything on it. Um. I think at this point, if Santa signs it, 
everybody that already has animals is probably going to be grandfathered in because they're not going to go knocking door to door trying to take everybody's animals, but they're going to restrict them as far as in-state sales and things like that, I think. So it's going to be, everything's going to have to be exported. Okay. Um, Do you think that'll affect the price or anything like that in the stuff you have or? Well, it's going to change. I think it'll it'll help the price because when they stop being able to import hundreds, oh, I didn't hundreds, even... hundreds of them, so what's going to be I... coming out? I mean, Florida has some of the best breeders in the world. They're right here. Yeah. Yes, I know if they do. The animals, if, if they just allow those animals to be exported out, I think it's going to help it. Yeah, I suppose it would because most of your breeders that do breed tegus are from Florida. Yeah, you know. The problem is, is that what they're trying to do is like limit these animals in the wild, and what they're doing is they're not going to help it because if the guys aren't allowed to go out and catch them and sell them, why are they going to go out and catch them? So they just shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. See, now that's all aspects people aren't thinking of when they when they talk about that. Because there are people there that go around and collect them in Florida that are running wild, right? And then they sell them. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, Yeah, and if you can't do that, then they're not going to go do it no more. They, and then they'll just be out they there. They apparently had more money in the lobby to pay somebody off because it went right through this time. Unanimous vote. So everybody got a piece of the pie, apparently, because they didn't even want to listen to any reptile people. And a lot of big people went up there to speak. And they didn't care. No, see, that's a shame. Yep. That's a real shame. Hmm. How far, um, if everything goes okay, um, I know you have some tegus. How far are you out from being able to breed them? Oh, I'm breeding them already. Oh, and of okay. course, I have okay. a, a few nice projects that I'm growing out right now. Yeah, I'm oh, not happy awesome. about it. I mean, I, I wish they'd just leave it the way it is, but yeah, that's how it is. You got to roll with them punches and just whatever happens, happens. I got to deal with it. Yeah, you got to make the best out of whatever situation you got, I guess. Um, but um, now with your uh, your Florida king snakes, uh, can you give people like an idea of like? care and maintenance of one if there's somebody listening that wants to get one as a pet and would you recommend it as a beginner pet and things like that recommend it as a beginner's pet it's a really hardy very forgiving reptile that is generally on the docile side and it'll open up the doors to just wanting to learn about it I just think they're amazing animals, so I just went with it when I was a kid, and my kids fell right into it, too. So, to me, it's just part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any, like, basic care ideas that people, if somebody wanted to buy one and they were going to get one as their first pet? Can you tell us what you would recommend to put them in and how to keep them and stuff like that? Um, you know, a lot of people keep them in a 10-gallon aquarium with a screen top, and some people are pretty successful with that. As long as you have temperatures that are above 75 degrees and below 8590 the snake can thrive in that okay um can you talk us through your breeder oh yeah then they grow bigger than what <laughs> <laughs> you know what what is the average size a florida king snake just so people get an idea a big one typically is five and a half foot and maybe two inches in diameter. That's a large animal. Typically, yeah, they're they're four foot, four and a half foot normally. 
but some big males they they break the records, start pushing six feet. Yeah, they, they get. Uh, I've seen some pretty big ones. That's why I was asking. Yeah, um, there's a couple <clears> big ones floating around. I got a pretty heavyweight one. He's every bit heavier than five pounds. I haven't had him on the scale in a while. That's a big like, animal. Yeah, he's nine years old and the family pet, so he gets <laughs> fed twice as much as everybody else because they go, he's asking for it, so they feed him. And I'm like, <laughs> stop feeding him so much. He's getting fat. That's what happens when you have children. It's uh, yep. I know my kids are like that with some stuff, you know, they always do that. Um, hold on a minute, Scott. Wait a minute. Um, sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> what uh, can you talk us through your breeding season? Like, uh, what at, about what time you brumate them? What temperatures are, and things like that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I could do that. Um, my rundown is pretty simple. During the winter months, now you've got to keep in mind, too, I'm down in South Florida where yes. our, our winters are not what winters are to other people. No, so like here, <laughs> I freeze. We that. have like, <laughs> we have four days that are cold. You have to wear a jacket that are less than 50 degrees but they're like three weeks apart maybe even four weeks apart well on those three or four days of cold i open up my door and i I let it get cold in here so they know that it's winter time and then as it starts to warm up in the springtime i start heavy feeding and once we start getting sheds i start putting Males with females, and that's basically it. It's as simple as that. There's really no science to it. They do all the work. I so, don't know it's springtime, so we put them together, and sometimes they're receptive, sometimes they're not. So, usually if you follow sheds, those females are usually pretty receptive, and the males usually yeah. take it right to them. So you wouldn't uh, brumate them like, a lot of people do, not those species, but like a lot of people do with their colubrids. I don't have and stuff. anything against brumating, and a lot of people do it and are very successful with it. Yeah, it's just not really feasible for me with the amount of yeah, animals I have to yeah. shut down this whole room to do that, especially when I don't mind it coming on a a natural timeline. Not racing; it just it happens and happens naturally and. I just I got a a snake dating service over here. I just <laughs> I know uh like mine with the with the hognose snakes, I, I, I brewmated those. I get them you know, I have a beside <clears throat> you know, it gets here it gets down to like fifty below zero in the winter, which is crazy. But I have a space I can't um, even imagine in my, that. Oh, yeah, it got a couple of years ago. It got so cold. My son threw a cup of coffee in the air, and it froze before it hit the ground. It was seventy-five below zero. <clears throat> but I can't I got even this... imagine it. I really can't. I've never been. I think like ten below when we went skiing one time was the coldest I ever felt, and it was hard to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, in that temperature here, when it gets cold out, it gets hard to breathe. Yeah. I mean, people have their, you know, they got their their heaters on. And the the exhaust comes out of the roofs, you know, and it's all like looks like smoke, but it comes down and falls to the ground. It doesn't really go in the air because it's too cold. It's it's strange. Um, but we uh, we have a uh, like a crawl space under one part of the house here inside the snake room, and it doesn't get colder than fifty fifty five degrees in there. And I could put them in there and just check them once a week to make sure they have uh, water. And uh, then I take them out and they breed, you know, then they start eating and everything and start breeding fine. But it sounds like with the Florida king snakes, you don't have to do it like that. You just have to bring the temperature down a little bit because, uh, like you said, yeah, in South Florida, there's the change in season. 
yeah. Get down there, it doesn't get cold like it does up here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, we have the record for the greatest weather extremes in one year. Uh, I think in the winter time, like in February one year, it was uh, 75 below zero or something, and the wind chill was above that. And then come the summertime in June, it went to 122 degrees. And in that time frame, it was like a 200 and some degree temperature difference in the whole year. It was crazy. Global warming. <laughs> this, was, this was years and years ago, though. But I don't think it was global warming. <laughs> it means it's getting better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it, we do have some extreme weather changes up here, though. Um, but uh, now... Down there, do you have to with your animals? If you if you don't have the humidity right, do you have a problem with shedding or anything, or is it just be, you know, do you, what would like someone like me where it's drier my, up here? My nemesis is keeping it cool. I spend a lot keeping of money cool. on air conditioning ah. to keep the room cool. Yeah, I suppose I if it gets too hot. Then... In the building, it's a detached garage, so I got concrete building with insulation insulation up in the attic and then a, the biggest air conditioner I could put out here wow hmm. so what would be your average temperature you keep it like a, just a, what, if somebody just were to get one get them from you uh, they necessarily don't have to have any kind of heat tape or nothing right temperature you'd want them to have in the room or my whatever. optimum temperature is just around 80 degrees that's a a comfortable range that they can digest food just fine. Well, that's good. That's not hard to maintain a temperature like that. I mean, sometimes out in the building, it's 85, 86, 88 degrees out here. Sometimes when it's a hundred degrees outside. Yeah. Well, that still ain't too, too bad. You got that place pretty good insulated if it stays. And it maintains a good temperature like that. Uh, now, incubating yeah, the eggs, what do you mean? Away, What's that? Mm-hmm. I see, yeah, it oh, doesn't thought... fluctuate very much in the building with that no. amount of insulation. What would you, uh, now with your incubating your eggs, what do you, what, what's a perfect, what's a good temperature to incubate those at? Actually, my my incubator is an old cooler that I got from behind a grocery store and it's an old monster core. And actually when I got it home, I cleaned the coils and fired it up and it worked perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't gut it or anything. I just left it alone. And actually all it is is a cabinet and a temperature controller or stabilizer, I should say, because I don't have any heating element in it, no fans. I have a thermometer that I can see what temperature it is in it. And that's how I monitor it. And right Where, now oh, it says that it, it's 82 degrees in there right now. See, that's good. That's yeah, easier the down there. The day, it's been hot all day long, and it's yeah. at 82 right now, so I'm comfortable with that. But it takes yeah, so long that. for the temperature to fluctuate inside this box because it's a freezer. Yeah, and well, and that's good too, though, so then you don't have to worry about, like, major heat spikes or major temperature drops because it takes a long time for it to fluctuate yeah i think the most important thing is just the temperature fluctuation because if you incubated them at 72 degrees they would hatch in three years but they would hatch. yeah i suppose yeah and as long as they're not getting 88 90 degrees for days on end they still hatch just fine too yeah um do you have any um, like uh, recommendations for anybody who would want to s- step into this hobby? Like, what would be if one thing you would tell them to do? Something, I would recommend a hovabator to hatch eggs. Okay. They're fifty bucks, and they're tried and true. They're proven. Somebody always come out and say, "Oh, but if it goes bad, well, if anything goes bad." It goes bad, but yeah, that, that can happen with anything. For the money, they're pretty reliable. So, um, 
So I you feel all of them out in my barn. Oh, do you? Yeah, I got one. I got one. One. Yeah, one. I had to think there for a minute. But then I got a big refrigerator uh, incubator myself that's uh, in my house. Nick, I have a house next door with nothing in it. So that's where that's at. And then I got. Um, then I got um, a few like coolers around. Like back in the day, like 35 years ago, 40 years ago, when they first started doing this, like people, they would take an aquarium and put water in it and put a heater under it and put a put the box right inside the aquarium and put a piece of plexiglass in there on top. I don't know. You ever do that? Yeah. No, I, I've seen the, those scientific projects, though. They're, they were pretty nifty. Yeah, that was way back. Uh, my old boss who uh, I used to work for was really big into reptiles and that's he's the one that basically got me into that like 40 years ago and 35 40 years ago and he had um, he did it that way yeah I've seen it when I was 12 my mom bought me my first king snake and it laid eggs three weeks after I got it Wow. So she called she called the Miami Serpentarium at the time and told them what had happened and Bill Hoss actually called me as a twelve year old boy and told me to put yeah. them in a, a big Ziploc bag with damp paper towels and put them in my mom's closet. <laughs> and sure enough they hatched inside that bag within sixty, seventy days. Yeah, it's crazy which with pretty much what back that set me yeah. That hooked me right then and there. That was it. I've been ruined ever since. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of king snake was it? It was a Florida king. Oh, interesting. Because she made the mistake That's like cool. two months earlier. She took me to Everglades National Park and they had a snake show, and this guy let me hold an indigo, and that was it. Oh. Once I held that in to go, that I was a snake person, like a light switch that changed me. Oh yeah, well that's that's my dream as an indigo snake, um, an eastern indigo at that. But I would settle for a yellowtail creebo too, because they're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but Texas what got me is not too far from it. You know, I grew up in a city in Philadelphia, and uh, going to the zoo, I would spend my whole time in the, in the uh, in the, in the reptile house. And then uh, we would go visit my grandparents in the Midwest and I'd be out catching garter snakes and bull snakes and stuff. It was just, I was hooked ever since I was a little kid. I, as far back as I can remember, that's all I, that's all I could think. Of, and I don't know why. I think sometimes people like you and me and we're kind of just a different type of person or something. <laughs> I don't know. Amen to that yeah. one. <laughs> I hear my wife. What'd she say? She said amen to that one because she knows how yeah. I am. Surely not like me. I think real snake people, when they get hooked, they get hooked. Oh, yeah. They definitely do. And there isn't, you know, there's a lot of people get into it. But uh, like I said, I've noticed um, over my all these years, there are people that will get into it really big and then just quit. You know? Yeah. And then they'll, they'll get as big to do it really big. No, no. It's smart to start off small and progressively grow it from there. I grew slow. Yeah. I collected from the top guys and collected the genes and started mixing them myself. And yeah. Now we all have these cocktails. We all have what? We all have these cocktails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had... Uh, I'm trying to think back. My first snake was actually a Burmese python. And I, I don't know why... I don't know why my parents would let me get one. Cause I, but they had no idea what they were doing or nothing, you know? I went through that phase, too, when I was in my early 20s. I had to have that 15-foot-long snake to be cool. Yeah. Boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I, I uh, when I when I first got this this uh, Burmese python, you know, it wasn't real big, and then it just progressively got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, back then I really didn't know that much about him. I just know I'd feed him and clean him and keep his cage clean, and you know, and it got huge. But that started off with me getting a whole bunch of Burmese and a whole bunch of retics and things like that. But after a while, I sat back and I was like, you know, these ain't the ones I like. I've always really liked king snakes and and uh, things like that. So that's what I always gravitate to. me, the clubers are thinking snakes where you can see them, which is hard for me to say thinking snakes because I don't really think they think, but they seem more intelligent than like, well, a retic seems pretty intelligent, but like a regular Burmese, it just wants that food. That's all it can think about. But it, well, if Bur- you're not food. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It doesn't you know, care. Snake's <laughs> always looking at you, but he's probably always looking for food too, I guess. Yeah, but I I think they try to figure stuff out too. I know king snakes seem to be um, sometimes they can become escape artists. And, well, so can retics because retics are very intelligent. I know that they snake remember also. because when I start knocking cages, when I'm walking around with a bucket full of mice to feed, when yeah. I start tugging tubs open, they everybody's awake right away. Yeah, see, now that's a sign of, like, being trained or something. That means that they're, they have an intelligence to a point. They can remember a food response. Yes. Yes. Mine, um, actually, because I pull poop every day with blue gloves on, when they see yeah. blue gloves, they don't trigger on me as if I'm food. When I feed, I don't use gloves, and they come right after me. Yeah. See, now that's a sign of intelligence because they can recognize the difference, you know. It's two things right there. Yeah. Um, I had a one that I have that's a pet. I always tell him when I feed him, I go, say apple. Like he's going to say apple to me one time. But one time, if that thing says apple to me, I'm going to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a good one. I guess you would be. If you do... (laughs) If it happens, get it on film so we can all see it right away. Yeah, I'll have to have it on yeah. film. But I do it as a joke with friends when they come over to see it. I always say it. And it looks like when he looks, like he might even say something. He's been trying to train his snake to say apple, and he says now that every time he goes to feed it, it kind of looks at him like it wants to say the word apple. Film it, patent it, so we all can be millionaires and you can share it well. That's what he said. He said he's going to be rich yeah, if right. he starts talking. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're pretty uh, – I- I've always liked them. I had one the other day, though, that was a king snake, and I – it was just a baby Flo- California king snake, and I uh, went to feed it, and it jumped out of the tub and wrapped onto my finger, and then it let go of my finger and took off. I had to go catch it, chase it down. It was funny. That's a California king snake thing. Yeah. Florida don't do that as bad. Yeah, Beck, my wife says that stuff always happens to me when she's at work because she can't film it and laugh at me. But it's funny. Yeah, the king snake, the Florida, California king snakes have a, a very um, different type of response. It's just like they're out and they want their food, you know. Um, some bull snakes are like that also. <clears throat> so do you have any bull snakes or anything like that or nope i've, no, I've been uh, that route done that too they poop <laughs> too much yeah that's i had some too and they, that's what i found out too um but in the california king snake they kind of uh they're not too bad it's just they're really wiry the ones i have seem to be wiry for some reason um but like, um, they just have a different personality. Yes, yes, I agree. They do. I think they're very similar, though. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, they they are, but it could be just this one I have is high strung. I don't know. But uh, I the, I had the the ones I was breeding a couple of years back. They weren't uh, they weren't so bad though. But uh, which. They just seem to be laid back and relaxed, I guess. 
What's your um, what was your what's your biggest clutch you've gotten? What's the average clutch size of the Florida king snake? My average clutches are twelve to fifteen eggs. My biggest one, I think, was like thirty-eight out of a T negative, but a third That's of a big them one. slugged out. That's or still a lot of eggs. Slugged, they went bad, so there was probably probably like 28 babies out of that clut, which I thought was a lot too. Yeah, that's, that is a lot. I mean, considering Florida king snakes, the average clutch size is like nine, you know? Yeah. I mean, California king snakes. Did I say Florida king snakes? I meant to say California. They're about nine. The average clutch size is nine. For a California, well, that's what I had was the average was nine. I think you I had know, one I got that was, some snakes that will lay three or four eggs, and then some of them yeah. that will lay fifteen or twenty. So yeah, it, it really varies, and sometimes there's no way to even tell or judge it. Or yeah, you know, some people say it's because I don't brewmate that I'll have a snake that only lays three eggs. Then how do you but, explain the one that just gave you twenty-eight babies over there, right? Yeah. No, I meant to say California king snakes are like that. They're kind of strange, like that. They nine nine eggs is about the average. Um, so what would be the average size of a uh, female that you would? What what sizes would you want to breed them at? Like, what wouldn't you want to be under for weight, size, length, and things like that? Um, this is another one of those touchy subjects the truth of the matter is is the female dictates she decides if she's ready to breed and she'll ovulate if she's ready if she was in the wild and she ovulated 100 percent, a male is going to smell her and breed her she's going to get bred so she decides when she's ready and i have successfully bred Florida Kings at 250 grams on their second year and gotten five, six eggs out of them and never stunted her growth, never had an egg bound young snake and never had an issue with it. So all these stories that you hear about breeding them young, I've never had an issue with breeding them young. I've had more issues with snakes that are old. They get wore out from it especially when somebody breeds them every single year, that's when you start having yeah. a problem with a snake. Never had an issue with a young snake. That's when they're in fit shape. They're their strongest. And it doesn't tax them to the point where I've had four females that are sisters and two of them ovulated and bred and laid a small clutch and their sisters didn't breed. But a year later, those you can't tell which one's bred other than reading on their card, looking at yeah, they are all the same size now. Yeah, see, that's uh, I've had that argument with many people because a lot of people say they go by the three 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 rule, three years old, three feet long, three hundred grams, and I always say no, they don't have to be three years old. I think size has a lot to do with it. This is just my opinion. I think size has a lot to do with it. And then I think that, yeah, I uh, like you said, when, when the snake is ready, she's going to do it, whether, you know, because in nature she would do it at that size. See, that's, and, and like these ball python breeders, um, not that I have anything against ball python breeders or nothing, because I've did it a lot. And I always got the question is, is like, should she be 1,500 grams or this or that? And I'm like, you could probably, you know, over in Africa, when they bring some of them, ship them in, they lay eggs at 900 grams. You know, some of them are already bred at 900 grams. It's all about yeah. the uh, health of the them animal. Smaller really. than that. Yeah. See, so I said, no, it's it's really not that. It, that's something somebody just came up with somewhere along the way, and I don't know where people come up with all these numbers at. My favorite one but, is uh, that I can't believe you inbreed them. You breed brothers and sisters together. And I always come back with, do you think these animals range so far that it's not common for them to inbreed in the wild? That's how come there's no in I the wild that. sometimes. 
Yeah. There's no way they're going to travel 10 miles away or nothing. They're going to stay in a certain area and uh, just keep the population going there. And that's brothers and sisters. Yes, I agree. Especially if there's a food source. Yes. Yes. And that's another thing that determines where they go is food and things like that. Yeah. Which is also part of my breeding philosophy with a calorie intake. Because if an animal, if they find a, stumble across a a barn and the barn is loaded full of rats, they're going to stay there and eat as much as they can and reproduce at a high level because there's a food source for them. But if there's no food source, they either leave or they don't breed right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's definitely... You know, in, in the health of the animal, when, like you said, when she's ready, she's going to do it, whether she's, you know, because that's the way it would be in the wild. And I'm sure I mean, you can't they, force them. All you can do is no. put them together. If she doesn't want to, it's not happening. Yep, yep. I would say that they, um, in the wild, they probably breed smaller than most people think. Well, I've caught snakes that were super small, which led me to believe that this is really the way things happen. It happens in the wild all the time and doesn't hurt them. It's kind of the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Not like you're raising dogs and you want them to breed on their second heat. It's not exactly like that. Do you know who Dan... convince people otherwise. Oh, yeah. Do you know who Dan Kroll is? No. Okay, well, he's a hognose breeder guy. And um, he's from Kansas, I think. And uh, he did a YouTube, and he went to Minnesota where uh, with the Game and Fish in Minnesota, and they were doing a study on hognoses. So he wanted to get some information. So he went out with them, and they caught a um, female hognose that was gravid. And she only weighed 160 grams. And they said this is not her first year breeding because they keep put microchips in them and tracking chips and stuff. And she, she the, the lady went and pulled out the records on it and said that snake double clutches every year. And last year, uh, the year before he was there, uh, had a double clutch and she wasn't even 160 grams. And everybody says you sh- your 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 hog noses should be 250 to 300 grams. And that there shows you. When they're ready to go, they're going to go. It, there's nothing you're going to do to yeah. stop it. And uh, everybody's just shocked allow. at that. Allow it, yeah. Yeah. And, at, you know, uh, 150 grams compared to 250 grams, that's a, that's a pretty good significant weight change there. You know, 300 grams is double the size they are out in the wild having them. That's another year. Yeah, at least. If they're getting good food. <laughs> But I, I found that whole study very interesting. So um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your, uh, your business here. Um, what is your goal with your whole business, and uh, how can people get a hold of you and um, things like that? I'm readily available on Facebook. I can be found yeah, there's on a link Instagram. And uh, other than that, I'm really just an extreme hobbyist. It's really not a job, even though it's a job. Oh, yeah, of course. Really, <laughs> I, I just want to make saying. cool stuff. Point where it does run like a small business because it does cost a lot of money to take care of animals the way they're supposed to be taken care of. Oh, of course. Which which is part of what dictates how much babies cost. And then, of course, I don't want to do it for free. No, nobody does. But, uh, I can understand I that. I like to keep it affordable, too, because I like, I like it to expand. I like people to become exposed to this and, and live these exciting times that I am reproducing these amazing animals. 
I can 100% tell you and everybody listening that about three years ago or four years ago, I placed an order from Scott and they were the best king snakes I had ever seen. They were healthy. They were eaten. They were perfect. They were a good weight and everything. And uh, I could tell you, you can't go wrong if you order from him. So that's that's, all about just taking pride in those animals. Oh, yes. I, you know, my daughters wanted to start to breed when we started doing this, and she actually re-sparked my interest back in it when she was 10 years old. She went out in the backyard and caught a pair of red rat snakes, corn snakes, and she bred them, and we actually have the F1s still to this day that she hatched at 10 years old. That this, is this amazing. Time, She's just graduated high school, top of her class, straight A's, and not just straight A's, top A's, all 100% A's across the board, and just got accepted into a biomedical thing for equine veterinary, which to me is all based off of her responsibilities growing up, taking care of these animals and learning operating procedures, and my youngest is in ninth grade now and she's following suit she's straight a and she's going to do the same thing her older sister did and it's i think it's because of being responsible and taking care of these animals i have to agree with you absolutely (laughs) but uh equine that's pretty interesting horses that's pretty cool that's her passion that's awesome though that's that's an awesome passion to have uh my daughter was wanted to be a vet. She's not 100% sure what she wants to do since she graduated. <clears throat> but she didn't want to be a vet of, like, cows and dogs and stuff like that. She wanted, well, she would do cows, but she doesn't want to do dogs and cats. She wants to do the bigger animals, like the dogs, the cats, stuff you get, and exotic stuff is what she wanted to work with. Which is, uh, I told her to go for it, you know. She had straight A's in school. She graduated this year also, so she really didn't get a graduation like most people do. Um, your yeah. daughter, I don't, did they have a graduation there or was it just a, like a. No, little... they had a parking lot, Tangier diploma graduation, but she's yeah. way above it. She's like, I got my diploma. I'm on my way. See you later. See you later, people. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, my daughter too. She got her stuff. She's like, later. <laughs> didn't want nothing to do with yeah. nothing. Yeah. I couldn't so. be more proud. Like, oh yeah, people again. They didn't make it into the schools I did. <laughs> nope. No, no. <laughs> that hey, and you know what? It's awesome to see a, a some you know to see a, a, a kid grow up, have a passion, work towards that goal, and successfully keep continuing on to get there. That's just great. That's, I'm beyond proud. That's amazing. Well, tell your daughter congratulations from us. I will. She'll um, hear this, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, and they were going to got a little late, and with the racing all day today. Yeah, I have she to apologize to bed, about all. The, I have to apologize about all the noise because I have to do this in a separate room now, and people in and out because I rearranged some stuff. But I got to get. I'm trying to work on getting my little studio set up in a different place where there's no background noise or I nothing like that. Noise. I'm walking around the okay. snake room looking at stuff <laughs> that I should be doing. Now, um, <clears throat> what I was, like I said earlier, um, you have the highest quality uh, Florida king snakes I've ever seen. And I can tell that from experience. That. I can tell people that from experience. Um, and uh, I think that we're going to really push this episode out there and get a lot of people hearing it. So that way, you know, I hope it it, it sends people your way, just like you say you yeah, send we'll your calls from the too. Yes, I don't know. There must be some. There might be something wrong with the number because uh, <clears throat> I didn't get no calls in no call ins this time, and I know people are listening. But uh, that might be something with that number or something. Like you said, when you called in, it was a busy signal, so you know maybe certain areas can't call in at the moment or something. So it's hard to say. A lot of lines are down between here and you guys because of that 
tropical storm that come through. So I guess you never know. Yeah, we got but, fortunate we didn't get any of that one. No. And uh, I hope Don't you guys get don't get any. Yeah. I hope you guys yeah, don't get will. any this year either. Well, I'm sure you will, but I just like to say it yeah. anyway. It makes me feel better, you know, to say, I hope. Yeah, with the um, way things have been, if we don't get one, I'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been kind of a strange year, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, day, if I see Joe Cantor, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the end is near. <laughs> the end is near. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so, um, would you like to say anything to the people out there that are, might be interested in coming to your uh, place of business here to purchase from you? Well, we're always welcome to help and if anybody's interested in anything, I'm always all ears. If anybody's got a no. simple question or want to get technical and try to decipher something or whatever, I'm all about it. Okay. That's good. What do you use for substrate, if you don't mind me asking? Just fine shavings fine from the shavings. feed store. Yeah, that's what I would do too. Pine or ash I like is one or the other. I can buy big bales of it for seven bucks, and I can change out the whole room for fifteen bucks on a regular basis, and keep everybody fresh and clean more often than yeah. If I was using something expensive, that's better. <laughs> now, do you do you ever hear people? Um, I've heard people saying, "Don't use pine because of the pine oils that's all in it." But you've never had an issue at all, have you? I've been using it since I was young, and in all reality, raw pine, probably if it was aromic, could be a respiratory issue with a, a snake or any snake. But nowadays, for pine shavings to be chipped, for them to run it through the mill, it has to be kiln dried because if it's sappy, it just gums up the chipping machine and cost them time and money yeah. so they chip dry wood yes I, um, it's not dry wood it's also called mulch <laughs> <laughs> good point I, yeah <laughs> I uh, I could pick it all up at, out at the, the tractor supply store and the regular feed store around here so it's you know and you get like I said like I think it was Eleven dollars a bale or something, or four dollars a bale, and I always pick up three bales or something like that. I like so that's it. not so cheap that you don't think about it to be able to change something. If you open a tub and it just doesn't look right or smell right, it's yeah. pennies to just dump it and put fresh substrate. So the animals always on clean substrate. Clean stuff. Yeah, I know these people get into some of these people get into expensive stuff, and then you're, it's scary to change it because it costs so much money. Yeah, and they, so, they think it's better because it's expensive, and somebody said don't use pine, but pine is mold-resistant. It's pH correct, and every time I've seen an issue, it was somebody had their snake on cocoa fiber or aspen that got moldy. or Nobody ever posts any pictures of their animals having problems on pine, but everybody talks bad about it. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree, and I've seen some pictures of some cocoa fiber that got pretty moldy and I've seen some pictures of aspen that gets moldy too. So, yep. Um, do you have anything you want to add now before we go here or I'm definitely going to get you on again before the summer's yep. over if that's possible, you know. Of course. Um, and we will definitely and get just let that. Everybody know that I'm always available if anybody has a question or something. I'm not hard to get a hold of. I'm always on PM and if I don't see the message right away, I return every single message I get. Yeah, I'll have to admit to that because you've done that anytime anybody, like anytime I've ever contacted you, you got back to me. But his, the link to his uh, Facebook page is in the um, description of the show. It's it's uh, 
uh, it's right in there. You just click it, goes right to his page on Facebook, and then uh, I recommend you guys like it and follow him, and uh, you guys will be amazed. And just go through some of the pictures on there. I'm just amazed at some yeah, of the we'll colors. Yeah, we'll post all the babies of everything hatching and everything. So, yes. Um, and if you guys are listening to this, contact him and told, tell him you heard this on here. You know that he was you heard listen to him on here. Yeah, and, uh, definitely. I would. Uh, I think uh, you know we've been going on for about an hour now, so I think I'm gonna hop off, and um, I'll definitely get you on again. And uh, yeah, we'll set it up. We'll be, okay. And uh, thank you for coming yeah, on. Have a good one, Andrew. Bye bye, everybody. Too, Scott. Later, All everyone. Right, bye bye. Bye.